We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Friday to end what has been, well, quite the week here in Knicksland. Um, the sky, let me check. I can see on my window. No, it is still there. It is still there, although maybe a little lower than it was um, a few, few days ago. Um, we have a great episode for you today. Uh, the Knicks uh play their first game this season against a very young, exciting team, the Charlotte Hornets on Friday in Charlotte. That'll be the return home uh, for one Kemba Walker. Obviously, he returned home several times when he was with the Celtics, but um, perhaps this will have a little bit of a different feel. Um, You know, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I would go so far as to say it is a big game. Um, The Knicks can lose and still be over 500, but uh, with the way, uh, you know, tensions are are rising amongst some in the in the community of people who talk about this team. Uh, I will go so far as to say, yes, this is an important game. Um, and it's an interesting matchup with a lot of complexities that I think are uh, pretty unique in terms of how these teams play. And we got into a lot of really nitty gritty stuff on today's episode uh, with uh, what is a first time guest. And he will not, it will not be the last time he's on because boy, was he good. We just finished the conversation a few minutes ago, Brian Geisinger. Um, he primarily covers ACC uh, sports for ACC sports.com. Um, but he also is the co-host of Buzzbeat pod, um, which is a podcast here on the blue wire family of podcasts that covers the Hornets. And he gave a ton of great insight. Uh, you're going to be a lot smarter as an NBA fan after listening to this. And um, towards the end, yes, we did get into some Kemba Walker talk because he saw pretty much every game that Kemba played uh, in a Hornets uniform for most of his career there. Um, And then we we even got a little bonus draft talk at the end for you. So uh, stick around for that. Um, I think that's it. As always, you want to hear uh, the immediate reaction to any Nick game, come tune to into uh, the Knicks Film School YouTube channel where I will be doing a live stream right after the Hornets game. Um, and uh, if you missed that, check it out on your podcast feed the next day. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, oh, uh, one more quick plug. Uh, 
Andrew and I just got done a little while ago, actually before we recorded this episode. So this is now going on two plus hours of podcasting for me. Uh, we recorded a very fun Patreon episode in which we did a way too early um, sixth of the season check in on the awards races. So we went through uh, well, we covered the best storylines of the week. And then we went through MVP rookie of the year, six man of the year. Um, and then some other fun stuff uh, at the end in terms of people getting traded, people getting fired, uh, people winning championships and the like. So if you are not already on the Knicks Film School Patreon, feel free to check that out. Um, I really am quite proud of the content that we've been putting out there with that bonus podcast a week. And if you're interested in joining one of the higher tiers to get access to town halls, special merchandise, um, feel free to look into that as well. And that is it. Without further ado, here is my conversation about the Knicks and the Hornets with Brian Geisinger. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, he is, well, we found him because he is a co-host of, uh, again, in the Blue Wire family, the BuzzBeat pod podcast about the Charlotte Hornets. Um, but you can also find him covering uh, basketball and the NBA draft for ACC Sports. Dot com. Uh, very, very pleased to have on the pod for the first time. Going to try to get it right. Brian Geisinger. How did I do? You nailed it. Uh, I nailed it. Right. On, yeah. Yeah. One for one to start. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Looking forward to uh, talking some ball here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so, uh, of course, the reason we are having you on uh, is because the Knicks, for the first time this season, uh, play uh, one of the more interesting one of the younger, uh, one of the more exciting teams in the NBA, uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, so who obviously is, that's your area of expertise um, on Friday night. I think uh, you're catching us in an interesting time uh, coming off this uh, game that we just lost to the Bucks. I think we're catching you guys at, well, let me start there. Are we catching you guys at an interesting time? Where, where are, tell the folks at home, where are the Charlotte Hornets at right now at this point in their season? Yeah. I mean, after, after a really, really good start um, and, you know, you can have all kinds of wacky stuff happen in small sample sizes, but Charlotte got off to a great start, really nice comeback wins uh, some, you know, miles bridges, Lamella ball playing very, very well. And at times, you know, like a top, top two, three offense in the NBA in terms of uh, efficiency. And then they went on a long uh, predominantly like West coast road trip really have spent the last, you know, week plus predominantly in the state of California, but they, they also played in Memphis, which was the last game of the road trip. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think usually you want to get to California and spend some time there. It's a, it's a fun, it's a nice, it's a nice state. Uh, I don't know if the Hornets will want to be going back to visit anytime soon. Uh, they were winless in the state of California and the defense just looking awful, a couple close losses, but you know, you, you go, you, you're, you're, Charlotte's up on the Clippers in the fourth quarter. Then they give up a 22 to zero run. Uh, they go to overtime with the Lakers and they lose in that game. And what was a pretty, pretty frustrating uh, outing for Charlotte, but they were luckily able to rebound in the last game uh, before, you know, returning back to the East coast with a win in Memphis. Good win. Uh, when the def- it was a good win. Um, they got a monster performance from Kelly Oubre who, 37 off the bench. Right? Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's a record for points in the game off the bench for the Hornets. Um, you know, Oubre has had a tough time this season, but I mean, he was rolling, uh, at, you know, against the Grizz 
And he was um, connected to us a lot. And I was not to get off topic early, but yeah. like I was I was very much not on the Kelly Oubre. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a divisive player. But yeah. so he was he was not so great. And then obviously had this game. OK. Yeah, he is. He has not been great this year. Um, you know, I think they really brought him in sort of hopeful thinking like, oh, we'll give, you know, LaMelo another another, you know, another piece in the toolbox, right. To run and gun within transition. You think with Ubre with his athleticism and size, like, Oh, can he be a point of attack guy? Can he stay sure. on the ball? Um, and I think he's had uh, the occasional, you know, possession here or there, but I think for the most part, he's really struggled one-on-one defensively this season. Um, but in, but in the scoring has been sporadic. He's had a couple hot outings, but last night, or pardon me, it did the Memphis game was yeah. obviously just like a whole other, a whole other level for Kelly. So look, he's, he's up and down. Um, I think when Charlotte's at full health, Kelly in a bench role on the contract that Charlotte got him for, is not too bad. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's possibly a pretty tradable contract if they ever wanted to, to, to use it to, to help swing a deal of, in some way, shape or form. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, last I mean, the, in the Memphis game, he obviously just went, went, went bonkers. So um, yeah, absolutely. His best game of the season. And I'm guessing he probably won't have one. <laughs> better than well, that. So mark it down. Hopefully for the Knicks, it's it's not against it's not against New York if it does come <laughs> again. Um yeah. on on paper, these teams are very similar. Uh mm-hmm. even though their offense has been struggling uh mightily, the Knicks, as of the time we're recording this podcast, going into Thursday's uh games, Knicks are fifth in the league in offense, Charlotte Hornets are seventh in the league in offense. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, the Hornets are uh, 28th in the league in defense. The Knicks are 26th <laughs> in the league in defense. Uh, <laughs> the Knicks Ouch. have a barely, yeah. The Knicks have a barely positive net rating. Uh, the Hornets have a, a negative 2.5, but that again, that's a little unfair because six and seven, if it, their, their records are a little bit better than it, that. And I think they let a couple maybe get away from them late again, yeah. really tough West coast road trip. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when you think about the Hornets and you think about the Knicks, very dissimilar lines of thinking. And I think what kind of touches on something that's a hot topic here, um, the, 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 the Hornets starters have mm-hmm. this perception of like they're flying around, right? They're flying around. They're, they're pushing the pace, the whole thing. Knicks starters, not so much. Knicks bench, different story. So give me like big picture overview. What should Nick fans expect to see from this Hornets team in terms of style of play, what they look like, et cetera. Yeah. Well, well, part of it will sort of depend on, on health to an extent. And Charlotte's had a, a couple, you know, unfortunate injuries to start the year. Terry Rozier has missed some time, missed some games and um, has probably the last couple of games has been better. But even when Rozier has been on the court, I mean, he was ice cold to start the season shooting the basketball and they really, really need Terry's movement shooting. Um, but also PJ Washington has missed several games now. I'm not sure what his, his status is for the New York game okay. on Friday, but um, he killed us like, in the first half of a game you guys played in Madison Square Garden last year. Yeah. He was like five of six from deep or something. He, he, I like he's him. A, he's a very good player. Like he just is a, a perfect like modern big, and mm-hmm. he's really like made strides defensively too. Uh, last season, his second year in the league, he he really kind of came online as like a switch defender and was much better sort of protecting the rim. And Charlotte can switch a little more easily one through five when PJ's playing small ball center, as opposed to when, you know, Mason Plumlee's out there or Nick Richards mm-hmm. are out there. Or, I mean, I guess they can do it. They played some of Miles Bridges at five, in, including really Memphis win. Yeah, he's played a fair amount of small ball five. This oh, season. I didn't even know that. Okay. They, they, they dabbled with it a little bit last year. 
Um, but this season we've seen it more just because PJ's missed uh, several games now. So without PJ, Charlotte does struggle to get to like the five out offense that they want. Um, and, and PJ really is basically a full-time backup center now at this point. I mean, like 90 some percent of his minutes have been at center this season. So they're, they're really missing a, a piece in that. But I think this year with LaMelo, you're seeing them dial up the pick and roll usage and, um, and, uh, you know, I think so far for the most part, that's been pretty good. And they do a lot of different stuff out of the pick and roll. They'll empty a corner out, they'll run mm-hmm. empty side pick and roll with LaMelo. They'll do two man actions where it's, you know, Gordon Hayward screening for LaMelo. They want to, you know, pick on a certain matchup, which they tried to go at John Morant, uh, in the Memphis game with that stuff or love miles bridges screen, um, for LaMelo. With, with Terry Rozier back out there, Charlotte's going to you know, run actions for him. Terry is like a big piece, a lot of the playbook that is set up to create these off-ball looks. Um, Rozier is the target of a lot of those looks. Sure. And um, and his shooting's always been kind of like, that's the story of his career, right? His shooting. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And and he's been, the last two seasons in Charlotte, like he's been, a, he has been a dangerous movement shooter. This year, he's, I mean, it's just, it's a small sample. So you're like, you don't, and he's been hurt. So you don't want to like overreact to it, but he's had a tough start. Uh, Stuff starts, I'm sure he'll explode. I'm sure he'll explode against us because <laughs> yeah. that's if you go back the last six games, someone who's been, the, yeah. a player doesn't even need to be good to have a great yeah. game against, yeah. against the Knicks. Yeah. yeah, Kelly Oubre was two days early, uh, perhaps they, in that regard. <laughs> and then we and, missed it. And in Miles Bridges, um, who really like came on strong late in the season last year, really the last like two months. In fact, there's a game I want to say April of last season where Charlotte played up at the Garden. And, and Miles was really, really good in that game. Kind of like stretch run in the regular season last year. I remember the game, yeah. And he really, really came online as a guy that was playing with the basketball more. Um, and Charlotte's giving him more isolation, more pick and roll so far this season. You know, the shot has cooled off a little bit uh, the last couple of games, but he's been terrific to start this season. Um, you know, it, ultimately, like, you don't know where Miles will, will finish up in terms of potential because it really is probably just, like, the last, like, 35 games of his career going back to last season where it's like, whoa, this guy's, like, a totally different player. You know, he can play with the ball. He can get downhill. Sure. Um, he can make he can make passing reads. And, um, you know, Charlotte, Charlotte needs that because they need a power wing next to LaMelo, um, you know, really just sort of, like, fully optimize this team in the half court. Um, but Charlotte plays fast. They get a ton of shots at the rim. They take shots at the right locations. And a lot of that comes at the rim. The only thing is they don't really have great rim finishers with maybe the exception of miles bridges. Like they, they take a ton of shots at the rim, but they, well, they miss a lot of them. Well, too. when he, when he finishes and yes. yeah, it's an opportunity to finish, <laughs> pretty know. spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you don't want to miss that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at, at uh, the numbers now, like again, the perception of the Hornets is they, they play, they play fast. Um, sure enough, they have the third fastest pace in the league. And then you look at how many uh, threes they put up per game and they're exactly in the middle of the league, um, which when accounting for pace, you put those two things together, obviously, as you just implied, they're trying to take shots at the rim. They don't take again, comparatively speaking as many shots from behind the arc. I'm fascinated to see this matchup against the Knicks because the Knicks as has been Thibodeau's uh, MO for, you know, since he was the assistant coach in Boston, um, they're going to crash the paint and they're going to try to get back out on shooters. So I think the threes will be there um, for the Knicks or perhaps they adjust and they challenge 
as you said, Charlotte's kind of iffy finishers at the rim yeah. to to finish. Um, and and we'll just melt, real, real yeah. quickly, we'll say Charlotte will run like the entire defensive scheme, and we can maybe talk about that because it's been a mess, but they've made some tweaks the last two games and in particular okay. in the Memphis game. But Charlotte wants to run whenever they can. And they are the fastest offense in the league after an opponent made field goal. They're averaging 15.8 seconds per possession, which is about a half second faster than the next closest team. And they've been pretty efficient on those possessions to 1.1 points per possession, which is third in the league in like offensive efficiency after a made opponent field goal. Um, And after a turnover, they're, they're top seven in both, uh, you know, the seconds per possession, eight and a half and points per possession, 1.4. So yeah, Charlotte wants to run. They're going to be opportunistic. They want to, they want to juice up and force turnovers defensively. There's a couple ways they can try to do that, but they'll, they'll work, they'll run after a made, a made field goal of which, uh, there are plenty against the Hornets, uh, defensively. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is going to be interesting because right now the Knicks, their their backups um, are finding ways to to score, which largely this is a result of Derrick Rose just kind of, I don't know how he's still doing it. Uh, he's, been inc- you know? he's been incredible this year. Every time I watch the, the Knicks play, it, Rose is, has been phenomenal. I mean, when you combine his ability to still, he could get downhill whenever he wants, it, essentially. It's ridiculous. And then, and now he's, you know, he's six for eight from, from three against Milwaukee. He's shooting, you know, somewhere around 50% from deep for the year. 
it's insane to say. Yeah. Um, like when you have that as your foundation, and then you throw in a quickly who's now finding his his shot, and and Obi Toppin, who's a very uh, young, exciting player that does a lot of cool things. Like, I'm I'm very curious to see how um, how long Tibbs goes with with that unit against his team. Um, but against but with the Knicks starters, um, you say you could score against the Hornets. Like right now, the Knicks starters can't score easily against anyone. Um, and traditionally, again, since Tibbs has gotten here, um, it's been give the ball to Randall, get two on the ball, and then and then make the pass. I guess we're gonna get Miles Bridges as the primary defender, right? On yeah. on Julius yeah. Randall, which yeah, I would say so. Yep. Is I'm can I think he could probably hold his own. He make, I mean, look, guys who Julius looks at and be like, I should be able to take this guy. That doesn't always work out so well for the Knicks. So <laughs> I, how do you think that's going to go? <laughs> yeah, why. I mean, I, I mean, Miles is sort of known for the the vertical, the vertical bounce, right? Like the, the, and he had a, an, an incredible lob finish in the from Rozier in the Memphis game the other night, but, uh, he's built like a tank too. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is strong as hell. It's, it's actually like, I think a pretty underrated trait of his game. And in general, I just think with like, with, with offensive creators, we tend to underrate the importance of strength, at least like when it comes to the draft, like it, it, it it's like maybe the most, it's like maybe the most important thing, you know what Not I mean? Not around here, RJ Barrett, yeah. that's probably still the best thing he has going for him. <laughs> exactly. And, and look, I covered, I covered RJ at Duke and it was obvious he was just a, I mean, you know, his pull-up game was was it, it was an issue in college, but yeah, he was a he was just a total monster in transition, and he was strong as hell. Like again, same same thing, just a power wing. Um, and I think I think Miles for the most part can match up against Randall. I mean, obviously Randall is incredible, you know. And this is certainly a game where you wish Charlotte had had PJ Washington because he's sure. another guy, another sort of like durable four or five that you could throw at Randall. Um, because the the depth up front right now when PJ's out is like pretty shaky. Um, especially there really isn't like a four behind Miles, right? So it's like, you know, Randall could also pick up three fouls on Miles, and then all of a sudden it's That's, like, well, you know, do we is Gordon Hayward have to go guard Julius Randall? You know, because it like you you could Jalen McDaniels is a nice player, but like I think he's too skinny for Randall. Cody yeah, Martin but, is a good player, but you know, I think Randall might feast on him too. You so mentioned like, you mentioned Hayward. You know, Hayward's smart and Hayward's quick. And he's also he's bigger than you think he is, too. It's like it's like that's one thing I think I took for granted until he got to Charlotte. And like the Hornets will post Hayward up, they'll go matchup hunting with him. Like if they play Atlanta with Trey Young or or John Morant with Memphis, they'll they will look for small guards and go at them with bridges, some, but obviously a lot with uh with Hayward too. So he, again, he's bigger than you, than I, than again, I thought he was prior to him coming to Charlotte last season. Yeah. I, I mean, again, the more we talk about it, the more, and I, I, I'm not just saying this because you're on here. I've said this on a couple of pods this week. I'm, I don't love this matchup right now because I think the issues with New York's offense uh, of late have much less to do with how teams are playing New York's offense and has more to do with just the New York yeah. side of, of New York's it, offense. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, whether you guys are struggling defensively or not, I, I think you, you know, if you take a certain approach, if the Knicks are not going to hit threes, which they have not been hitting a ton of, or at least their starters have not been hitting a ton of threes of late. Um, that can be an issue. Let's talk about LaMelo real quick, because, you know, he he's the Randy rookie of the year. Um, it's funny. We just recorded our Patreon pod and we, we 
uh, brought up the what if the what if the Warriors had Lamelo conversation, which is um, they might be they might be the favorites to win the title. Would would be maybe be my thought. They, they <laughs> might be favorites anyway at this point. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, he is. Is he still in the? Um, we know it's coming, but he's finding his way stage. Or do you think like there's a world where he could be in the All Star conversation this year? Like, talk to me about about Lamelo. Yeah, I think he could be because in part because like one, he's really, really good. And two, he puts up the kind of like box score stats. I mean, I think that I I don't mean to undersell his impact. Like he, I think he's very much like a winning player too, but he does sort of like, yeah, he gets lots of points and, you know, steals and assists and rebounds. Right. And when people tend to vote for all-star stuff, you know, that, that stuff looks good. Now I think in the way we're talking about it, it's like, was he, can he, can he have like a type of like two way impact or, or like, really like high usage or not high usage, but like high production offensive impact. That is like that of an all-star player. Right. As opposed to just like, Oh, he, he you know, he's popular and he gets a lot of stats. Right. So therefore yeah. like, you know, he's in the all-star game and look, he's not, I don't think he's man. He's, he is really good. I think the shot comes and goes like he takes a lot of deep pull-up threes, takes a lot deep of deep catch and shoot threes. And he shot well off the catch this year, spot up efficiency numbers, are pretty darn good. Um, he's still really skinny. And we were just talking about the importance of strength, right? As like a, you know, as, as a trait for perimeter, you know, initiators and perimeter defenders. Yeah. And like, lo, like Lamelo's just not there right now. So like he can get to the rim, but he does struggle to finish because he's not like, he doesn't have the John Morant, you know, first step, right? Or like that kind of yeah. elite quickness. Now he's got great size and he's got, uncanny his touch is just ridiculous so you'll we'll probably flip in a couple oh, yeah. of these like these floaters or runners where from like 17 feet he shoots it and like it kisses the ceiling of the of the gym and then falls through i mean just does ridiculous stuff but you know well, it's like you, you, you know emmanuel quickly probably also well, yeah, actually, yeah. No, he was in the acc but yeah yeah he, he no does I, that stuff too. I, I like quickly a lot uh before the the 2020 draft actually um and i'm, I'm excited that he's like he he's turning into a, a player in the NBA that, that oh yeah he's, it's, it's pretty cool to see actually um but uh with the uh with Lamelo again i think the pick and roll passing is is really really good i do think charlotte is maybe dialing up a, almost a little too much just sort of like hey let's just give lamelo totally the keys and just run spread pick and roll there are times i feel that way like he's not luca right like you can't just give it to lamelo and say spread pick and roll and every single possession is going to be like, you know, catch and shoot three or like a finish at the rim, right? Just like the exact shots that you want. Luca just, he just prints those every time down the court. If you have enough shooting around so, him, it's only one Luca. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Sad, and, sadly for the other 29 franchises. And, and the other thing with Charlotte too, is it's like, you know, part of the stuff out of the, and this is sort of deviating a little bit from LaMelo, but like part of like running spread pick and roll is really having like a, a screen setter that can draw a lot of gravity, right? Rolling to the rim. And right now Bridges is really the only guy that can really like collapse the paint with, uh, you know, run to the rim, yeah. you know, it's not going to be plum, plum, like it, some of the games out in California teams weren't even like tagging Plumlee. That's like, like, I'll be curious to see what New York does with Plumlee because some teams have just ignored him. Right. And it's really like gummed up what Charlotte's trying to do in the half court because Plumlee catches it and the opposing center, like, you know, Zubach or Rashawn Holmes, they're 12 feet off of him, just camped in the lane. And I thought he did last night in the Memphis game, Plumlee at least attacked that space once and threw in a little floater. And okay. I think he's going to do more of that. You, like 
he, when teams sag off him like that, Plumlee's got to be able to snap into a DHO with Rozier, or he's got to be able to throw in a floater. Because right now, I think too many of the possessions are just dying on the vine when Plumlee catches it 20 feet from the hoop in space. If teams, you know, trap Lamelo or put two on him in the prick and roll, and then, you know, short roll and, Plumlee, and then the possession just stalls right there, you know? And he's so an improvement. work around that. He's an improvement over what you got. I mean, because you were coming from Biombo, right? Yes, right. Well, be like, yeah, I mean, and like with Biz... You know, unless it was like a lob, you know, Biz might not, <laughs> Biz may not catch it and finish it. Now, I do think they miss Cody Zeller and like, you know, look, no one, no one's here for Cody Zeller talk, but like, hey, listen, uh, listen, know, he was former, former fifth pick in the draft, right? Overall, yeah, he, Cody Zeller? yeah, in 2013, and there you uh, go. And I think he's like, he has a nice little role for Portland now, but um, he was just like, he's just like an underrated screen setter and can make plays on the short roll. Yeah, I, I sure. do think Charlotte misses that a little bit. Um, and then we're dealing with that here too. Now with, with our centers or, you know, Nerland's yeah. a well, God love him. He can't catch, can't catch a ball. I, and then Mitchell Robinson goes, you know, he's a, he's a great lob threat, but other yeah. than that, it's like, it's, you know, it's in and out. It's an interesting place that like the, you know, obviously the, like the last, you know, I don't know, decade or maybe the last seven, eight years is the NBA has really gone into like spread pick and roll as like the base for everyone's offense. It's like, you know, you want one of those like rim runner lob guys in the middle but I just think defenses have gotten so good to that. It's like, yeah. you, you got to be able to do something more. You, you can't just be a lob. Like you, I mean, you can, and that still has some value. You know, you, you force the weak side defense to rotate and all this other stuff, but like, man, you kind of got to be able to like short roll or pop, you know, along with the lob too. I mean, like that's how that's, that's how you actually like get defenses to like be worried about you. I think as opposed to being like, all right, well, they're going to roll. They might get two lobs a game you know, we'll live with that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think you can kind of take some of that stuff away. Um, but that's why when you get these centers who can actually just put the ball on the floor and make a play and make a pass. Yeah. It's like, incredible. It's, you know, and like there was, there was a moment last night where Mitchell Robinson tried to take a dribble, one singular, one <laughs> dribble and Giannis like boop, poke ball yeah. out of bounds, <laughs> you know, and it's 11 left on the clock. And it's like, right. now you're dealing with half the time of possession that, that you, that you otherwise yeah. were. And you have to start all over again. It's like, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it's not ideal. Whatever advantage you had drummed up prior to that is totally killed. It's right. Gone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the possession is just inherently less valuable because like you said, half the shot clock is gone and the possession, whatever inherited advantage you had is just, is just killed. You got to restart everything. So yeah, that's tough. And like that over the, like, that's just one possession over the course of one game, but it's like extrapolate that out over an 82 game season. And like, it, and, you know, it can kind of matter. And you know? teams know that this opponent can do these things with this, with these players or they, or, yeah. or they can't. So um, yeah, Mason, Mason Plumlee will see again. Maybe he's the guy that has the career game against us. Well, uh, I, I wouldn't, uh, if that happens, just turn it to hack a Plumlee. Cause he's shooting like 30% from the free throw line well, this year. Well, that's um, the, the last thing I would say about LaMelo is just like in, cause I do want to make sure that I, that I touch on this too on the pod is like defensively, there are some flashes with him making plays and passing lanes, right. Where you just, you see his incredible feel for the game, right. And him just seeing stuff, a play, you know, a, a pass ahead and, and being able to anticipate and really like, and then he, obviously he uses those impact plays to juice Charlotte's transition game, which as we mentioned earlier is, has been very good this year. Um, but on the basketball, you know, he really struggles. Again, this is where like the strength can be an issue. You know, he's not great navigating screens and getting over the top of ball screens and you can bully him a little bit one-on-one and, you know, because he has these incredible anticipation skills, you know, 
even though he's great, he has a tendency to like gamble and, or, or ball watch or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and occasionally that can burn Charlotte's defense. Now what they're doing more the last two games and in particular, the Memphis game during the 2021, during the 2020, 2021, 2021 season, I swear I can talk. Um, <laughs> Charlotte, Charlotte's defense led the NBA in percent of possession spent in zone. So last season, okay nearly 14% of Charlotte's half-court defensive possessions were in zone. And coming into the season, Charlotte, I think, thought with Plumlee that they would be able to clean, they would they would do less zone, right? So do more man-to-man, drop Plumlee, you're playing to the level of the screen, or trap. I mean, they've tried everything. None of it's really worked. Or when PJ's in there, then you can switch, you know? And none of it's worked. They, they rank 30th in the NBA in uh, defensive efficiency on man-to-man possessions, according to Synergy. During the Memphis game, they played about half their defensive possessions in zone. Oh, wow. um, heading into the last two games, about 98% of Charlotte's defensive possessions had been in man-to-man, only about 2 2.5% in zone. So a big drop from a season ago. So it's very clear that after like 10 games of them really trying to not use as much of this sort of like chaotic, wacky matchup zone that they used a ton last season, they're starting to dial it up a little bit more and more. Um, at least the, if the Memphis game is any indication, then it's something that New York is going to have to be prepared for. They've get, they wow. at least have two days to get ready for it. And with all of their shooters, I would say, uh, you know, this could like New York should get plenty of, of well, they and shoot threes, you know? <laughs> okay. So a couple things here. One, um, New York had all of last season to prepare for the zone because teams threw it at them on a regular <laughs> basis and it didn't seem to work now. Yeah. Um, we've signed some new players, which we're going to finish up in a second. We're going to talk about one of them, uh, cause you have some experience with them. Um, the other thing of late again, probably because they're not hitting shots. Uh, the Knicks have not been firing away as confidently from deep as they were over the first handful of games of the season, um, where they were on, you know, on pace to break the league record for most threes in a year that has subsided a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, guys are not just stepping into like anytime there's a sliver of daylight, you know, fire away that, that has changed. So that'll be interesting. Um, second thing, the more you talk about uh, LaMelo and his issues defensively and like how you could, how he could be had uh, Mitchell Robinson was out for a game recently with a hip issue. We came back last night, had some moments, had some other not great moments. No, the well is still out. Sounds like it might be a good opportunity to play some more Taj. Uh, we love Taj Gibson here in New York. Um, but he's the only guy on the team that on the team that could set a screen worth a damn. And uh, he could actually, you know, be a guy who can make a play on the short roll, hit a hit a little baby jumper or whatever. Yeah. Um, be curious to see if Thibodeau goes to that. The journey to a smoke free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke. No spit and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And then last but not least, the guy who might be trying to get around those screens, and he has not gotten to the rim screen. No screen, whatever. And now his, his shooting, he's in a bit of a slump, although I, I'm sure that will rebound. Uh, Kemba Walker. So you watched Kemba Walker for many years in Charlotte. Um, I just want to ask you this because, I, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I watched that much Kemba over the years. But my perception of him was he was a guy who, I don't know if you want to say he was top four in the league, five in the league, six in the league, but just in terms of a small guard who... If he needed to get to the rim, he would get to the rim. I know he's had his issues finishing over the years, but that dude, my perception was always like, if he wanted to get there, he could get there. This season, that is not happening. Could New York be maybe running a little bit more pick and roll? Sure, could always do stuff. But is that perception correct? I think so. Like, you know, look, I've I've seen literally hundreds of, of Kemba games. Um probably the last four seasons, four or five seasons he played in Charlotte. I think I watched every game Kemba played in and he was an iron man for those Hornets teams. Right. Yeah. Um, he played, he, he never took a night off and led league in minutes his, his it, last year there. I, I mean, it used to, it used to terrify me because, you know, he's, he's had worked on, on his knees for years now, you know, I mean, I know like, you know, I mean, he's really lost probably like a half step or a full step the last two seasons or whatever. But I mean, you could go back to 2000, 15 or so. I mean, he was, he would, he would routinely get, you know, knee work done in the off season, you know, like, so this has been a, this has been a thing for him for a long period of time. Um, but yeah, could Kemba always had the quicks to get downhill. I mean, like he was at the height of his powers. I mean, especially because he could leverage the, the step back gravity too, you know, and he was so quick in his handles were like, I, I think they were pretty underrated. Like he had just a, a total wipeout crossover and yeah, because of that, he could get downhill. Now he's so small and he's obviously not like vertically, not the most gifted athlete either. You know, he's not like, you know, you know, he's not John Morant or whatever, you know? And so like, I think he got to the rim, but would routinely struggle to finish at the hoop. And, but even like from floater range, his numbers, again, his numbers were never great, but I feel like that was always at least something in his bag. I don't think he's attempted a floater this year or even, yeah. a, like a, you know, I mean, he's, he's taken some shots from the short mid range, but like the types of shots that oftentimes those guards have to resort to, he he's, he's not really taking them. Yeah. And it's, it's tough too, because it's like, even again, even when Kemba was like peak Kemba all-star, you know, prime of his career, he would still go through stretches where it'd be, you know, three, four games or whatever, where it was like, man, this guy just can't, you know, the offense is bad because Kemba can't hit a, hit a three, right. Hit like an off dribble three. Now uh, Kemba was not getting to play with teammates like RJ Barrett and Julius Randall and Evan Forney. Like he was, you know, the teams were able to, he would get hot and teams could throw doubles and traps and Charlotte never had the secondary playmakers to like capitalize on the amount of, attention Kemba was getting. And it was, it was, it, it felt unfair a lot towards Kemba because like he was just having to run through walls for Charlotte with occasionally with very little to show for it. And, um, but he also, he takes really, really tough shots. And even like, even the, the, the most amazing off dribble shooters in the world of which Kemba was one for, you know, for several years, 
guys like Lillard, Curry, like maybe not Curry, but those guys have nights off nights, you know, like, yeah. and it does happen. You're when you're yeah, Curry shooting, has off nights. It's yeah, fine, he, you know. he does. It, it happens rarely. It does happen, it's but it's like, yeah, rare. when you, when you're shooting, you know, pull up 27 footers, like, like, yeah, those shots are hard. They don't usually go in and yeah, it's just, it's very easy for, for those guys to have tough nights. I do think the thing with Kemba is, and this is why heading into the 2019 off season where I got, you know, People are like a lot of, a lot of Hornets people wanted to, Kemba to come back. And I get it. He's the best player in the franchise history. And at that time he, he was just coming on off another all-star run, but you know, you knew always knew when this guy loses half a step, it's going to be tough because like the, the way he got open in Charlotte was obviously a lot of pick and roll, but also his ability to create space and create separation to get his shot off at five ten, five eleven, like whatever he is. And yeah. he needed every, burst of that of that quickness in that in that lateral jab step move he needed every little bit of that to get that separation to make him the elite player that he was for about four or five years um and you just it was always sort of like man if this guy loses the step he's not gonna be able to create the same type of separation then the size disparity gets even worse he's not gonna be able to get downhill as much he'll draw fewer free throws and he's already not great defensively um so look, I, I think I think people jumped off the like the, the Kemba ship last year too early. Like I think he was, I think he was like finished the season playing okay for Boston. He, he had a good stretch of games towards the you end know, of the season where he was averaging know, like thirty a night. And, yeah, and then I think that probably led to a lot of the excitement with him coming coming back to New York this season too. And like I think he's ultimately like he is what he is. Like he'll go through slumps, but then he'll also be a well, dynamic offensive player at times still too. What I'm wondering and what I what my hope was before the season was that, as you said, playing around better offensive players would make the transition to being third or fourth on the totem pole after obviously his, his in most of his career being the totem pole. Yeah. Um, you know, but and that he would be able to pick his spots basically and and leverage the the advantages that others around him created to get some of those easier shots. And then when, in terms of when he wasn't just spotting up and then when he spotted up, you know, being, being a good spot up shooter, what's, what's happened, the shooting, I'm not going to pay attention to the last four games because the shooting will rebound. Like, I think the shooting is going to be fine, but what we, I think the transition for him to be again, that guy who is, cause it's like, you said he he took a lot. He always took a lot of tough shots. You yeah. can pull that off when you're taking 20 to 25 shots a game or whatever it is, 18 to yeah, 22 right. shots a game. When you're taking six or seven or eight <laughs> yeah. shots a game, yeah. it's harder to get into that rhythm. And then it's yeah. like, okay, how are you going to leverage the talent around you? And that's when it's like, you know, Kemba had a moment again last night where Julius Randle drew a double. And he had the he, a path to the lane mm-hmm. and he drove and Giannis was there. And like, you know, there was some contact, maybe could have called a foul, but he threw up a shot that literally bounced off the top of the backboard, <laughs> you know? And, and it, yeah, again, I'm, I'm not saying that to, to be mean, but it's like, I, I just, what I'm trying to figure out is like, if, if it was Kemba three, four years ago, what would that same play have looked like. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And so it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he does uh, returning home 
Uh, it's it's going to be a story, I'm sure. He um, he's he's at least it does seem like you know I've seen it seems like the exit from Boston was not good terms, but it does like he did leave. I mean, I, I'm sure he was you know I can understand why if he was upset that Charlotte didn't really give him like a a full you know a full thirty percent max contract in 2019. But it does seem like for the most part there's still like generally pretty good vibes, you know. Uh, between Kemba and in in the Hornets franchise in the city of Charlotte, like I think he still has a house there. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like eventually, like they're gonna, like he's going to become Mr. Hornet. They'll retire his jersey and like sure. you know, as he should. In uh, but it, it's it is cool for me again. I, I look, I I like I'm a Kemba fan. I, I am. Um, he made a lot of otherwise completely unwatchable basketball teams pretty fun to keep to pull for right or to follow or to keep up with. And um, I just I would love to see him have a moment and you know be a part of a playoff run. It was cool seeing it in the bubble with Boston two years ago, but yeah. obviously it would be a whole different ball game if it's you know in front of the Garden with twenty thousand <laughs> fans. You know, like that's I mean, pretty cool. So he had a few moments earlier in the season. Um, you know, hopefully the story gets gets better from from where it is right now because yeah, you know yeah. he's, he's he's struggling. Um, this was. Uh, an absolute blast. You are awesome. And uh, you really, I think are giving, gave everybody um, a good sense of what to look forward to, what to keep an eye out for um, in this game and uh, moving forward with again, a really exciting young team. And I think regardless of what happens this year with Charlotte, they're a franchise that is going to need to be reckoned with um, moving forward because they're, they're good. And they got some good young players before I let you go. Could you just tell uh, folks at home where they could find you? Yeah. And again, thank this was a lot of fun. Thank you. And uh, thanks guys for having me yeah, on. Uh, it's been a blast to, to talk some talk next talk Hornets. Um, yeah. Find me on Twitter at uh, B guys underscore bird. So B G E I S underscore bird. Um, that's an old Twitter handle I made like years ago when I was in college, I probably should have changed it at some point. I like it. Like, I'm just like committed it to it. I'm committed to it now. So we're just <laughs> rolling with it. Um, and then the, the, you can find a lot of my written work if you're into the draft or, or, or heck man, Duke, a uh, Duke basketball just played up at MSG a couple days ago. Uh, half the Knicks roster was there. Yes. Uh, rooting for Kentucky too. as it were. Yeah. Yes. RJ was the only one that was there rooting for Duke. Um, it was, yeah. it was cool to see him courtside, but if I, if you, if you're into college hoops or the draft, ACC sports.com, find it there. And then the BuzzBeat podcast, we do at least one pod a week. Some weeks we do two, but you can find that at BuzzBeat Pod on Twitter, Apple, Spotify, you know, Stitcher, wherever you get your pods, you can find it in all those places too. Is um is Keels the real deal? Man, he looked he looks awesome. And he looked I covered their exhibition game a couple of weeks ago. He looked great in that too. What's his Again, ceiling? Is he, is he, it, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to come out this year, right? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would, I'd be willing to bet that his stock, I mean, he was probably already mocked sort of like late first round heading into this week. I, I'm guessing he's like, you know, if the draft were tonight, he'd be a lottery pick, you know, and okay. it sort of gets back to what you and I were just talking about the strength of perimeter creators, right? Yeah. He's 200, he's 18 years old. He's 221 pounds. That's like he's fucking bi- wild. He's built like a, yeah. I mean, he looks like a defensive end or like just whatever football position you want to compare yeah. him to like a linebacker or what, Something you know, good. What, tight end, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. He's built like that. And like, he gets downhill and I've been more impressed with like, for me coming into Duke, I didn't really see much of him as a prep. And like, I just thought like, for me, he was marketed as like a shooter, like a secondary guy. Okay. But man, his pick and roll game, his passing, 
he he'll make plays coming off ball screens or curling a pin down and throwing a pass. Like he's just got more, he's got more, it's just a really nice blend of power and skill that he can get downhill. He can get to the line and he can make passing reads too. And then, I mean, Paolo Bencaro was, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just a freak dude. Like, I don't know what to say. Like he's six ten. He's huge. I, you don't need to sell. Paolo it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, insane. No, it, just insane. Uh, look, the way this next season is going, I may need to start paying attention to the draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, Duke's got some guys and like in AJ Griffin, who's uh son of Adrian Griffin, uh, you know, he is not healthy right now, but he's another, like he's, but he is playing. He was coming back from a knee injury. And like, if that guy gets anywhere close to 90, hundred percent this year, I mean, Duke's just got better. Per- like Duke's got personnel that like, you know, their wings look like NBA wings. He's six six two twenty as well. And like, has, you know, he's just, he's built like a tank. So um, maybe I'm, it's, I'm hoping- maybe it's the storybook swan song for, the coach okay. of some, we'll, some we'll, yeah. yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. Um, but it, but it was cool. I mean, they, they, obviously that program they love going up to MSG and and, yeah. and playing those games there. And it was it was certainly it was a, it was just a fun game in general and cool to see Randall and Obi Toppin and RJ and, and Tibbs and Emmanuel quickly all Kevin Knox all all sitting. You know, Don't forget Kevin Knox. Yep, Kevin Knox still there. Um, but yeah, still yeah, just yeah. twenty-two years. What is he? 22, 23? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I guess he was. He was what the youngest guy in the twenty eighteen draft. I think he, he was uh, youngest. I believe he was second youngest. He was. Yeah, yeah. He was a lot yeah. of good. It did him anyway. Okay, uh, I've kept you. <laughs> <laughs> we got to Kevin Knox talk, man. It's we exciting. had to Kevin Knox. That was the. That was the. We, that was the yeah, best. Right, me and Andrew had the better. Yeah. We're gonna get are we, Kevin Knox's name would come up. Uh, okay. Uh, thanks a lot, uh, Brian. This was awesome. We'll definitely have you on uh, again soon. Sounds good. All right. Hope you enjoyed that combo with Brian. Like I said, he was going to make you smarter and he certainly did. He made me smarter. Um, Said a couple things about the Hornets that I certainly had not realized before this episode. Uh, As I always do, I will say now that he is gone, I hope this is not a close game and the Knicks win going away. But the next time that happens, I think will be the first time, right? Non-Magic division. Uh, when the hell are we going to get an easy win? When are we going to win a win again? That's, that is the point that we are at right now. It feels like, are the Knicks ever going to win a game again? Who knows? Um, but no, things are never as bad as they seem after a loss. Um, and uh, the next W will be around the corner. Uh, hopefully tonight. But in the meantime, enjoy uh, your weekend. And we will talk to you soon. Giddy up. Giddy up.